Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Business of Design. This is episode 117, Never Give Your Power Away. And this episode, I think, is going to melt your heart because it's a comeback story. And I mean coming back from the brink, homelessness, and bankruptcy. I'll be speaking with Weston and Christy Blankenship from Franklin, Tennessee, and they're going to talk about how creativity and business savvy do not have to be mutually exclusive. I, for one, am very wary of all these businesses, these multi-million dollar businesses with big financial backers coming into the industry and telling us, hardworking design professionals, don't you worry your pretty little head. We're going to take care of the paperwork. We're going to take care of the back end. We're going to take care of the purchasing. And you can just give us your life's blood and passion will take the profit. And that's part of this story as well. Don't get me wrong. If you're in a position where your goal is to scale your business and grow it as large as possible, you may want outside help. That's fine. Just make sure you're going into it eyes wide open and you understand the profitability and the margin you are letting go of with every company you introduce into your business. The story you're going to hear is not a straight path to an interior design firm, but that's okay. That's true for so many of us. I came from television. I didn't even know the difference between interior design and decorating. And our guests today do event planning as well as interior design services. While there were so many good things in this talk with Weston and Christy, one thing that really struck me and is such a good reminder I can't make wise decisions based on fear. I'm always needing to make sure the decisions I'm making are based on what I want and what I think I need going forward versus making those decisions out of fear someone won't like me, someone will be mad at me, I might lose an opportunity. So that's a theme that goes through this conversation. I met Weston at High Point, and he shared his story with me. I was so moved. And this conversation is full of really good information that I hope will move you as well. I, for one, am planning on being in Tennessee in September. So if you are part of Business of Design's chapter meeting in the Nashville area, I will be joining the meeting one evening and looking forward to visiting Nashville again. It's been a long time since I've been there and went to all the great design shops and the food. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And I'll definitely be going to visit Weston and Christy in Franklin as well. You'll hear at the end of the podcast, I kind of pressure them to get me an intro to one of their famous country Western clients. I'd love to see that house. I don't know whose house it is, but I would love to see it. So many pearls of wisdom in this episode, I must say, and someone else who always has pearls of wisdom, Cheryl Horn. Thanks for being here, everyone. Hey, Cheryl, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I understand we have a couple more spots left for the retreat, and I know someone listening right now is going, should I? 
shouldn't I? And the answer is absolutely you should. Well, we do only have a couple spots left, but we're also getting a lot of inquiries, so I'm not sure how long they'll last. Uh, the retreat is going to be October 24th to 27th, $2,800. Uh, registration and details are on the website, but if you have questions, by all means, reach out to me directly, Cheryl at businessofdesign.com, um, or check out the website. If you're ready to register, go ahead and sign up. A few questions we're getting as well. Yes, breakfast and lunch are included as part of the retreat. We are also going to take you out for a really nice dinner, for a farewell dinner, uh, and that will include uh, drinks and dinner and all kinds of fun. Every event that we do will be included as part of the event price, so you don't need to bring a lot of extra pocket money, except that there's great shopping in Santa Monica and Venice Beach. So if you haven't been to LA in a while, if you haven't been to Santa Monica and Venice Beach in a while, it possibly will blow your mind how beautiful it all is. So uh, we hope you'll join us October 24th to 27th. And then just a few months after that, Cheryl, the conference is happening. Yeah, we've just announced that. I'm already getting a lot of uh, questions and interest and um, everything because it's been a couple of years since we've done a conference. So that's coming up on January 25th and 26th, 2020. Can't believe we're talking about 2020 already. 2020. And that's in Las Vegas. And I love the newsletter you sent out. What happens in Vegas will change your life. <laughs> <laughs> We are committed to making sure that this is the very best money you have ever spent on your business. That is our personal and professional and corporate commitment to you guys. Registration's open. We do have uh, details on the website, so make sure you check that out, businessofdesign.com. And we currently have our early bird rate coming um, going until October 1st, which is uh, $1,195. And you're saving $200 on the conference. It's a ridiculously good value, and we intend to keep it that way. We want as many of you as possible to come out to Las Vegas and work with us. Let us help you transform your business and your life. And if you've never done market, we're going to tell you how to do that too. So lots of good events coming up with Business of Design. And Cheryl, of course, our Business of Design advocate meetings are happening all over the North America. Oh, and yes. Australia. I forgot about Australia. In Australia, they're they're all over and we keep um, adding to the list. So if you're not part of a chapter, make sure you check that out on the website as well. The list of all our locations are there. Our advocates are listed there. If you don't see a chapter in your area and you're interested in helping us get one started for you, uh, reach out to me directly and we'll help you do that. Amazing. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Take care. Let me tell you about our newest business of design sponsor, buildlane.com. Put your hand up if you have been in the industry long enough to see a boom and a bust. (laughs) Okay, I know. I can't see you, but I know you're there. I launched my firm in 1991, so I feel like I've seen everything. And I can tell you right now, we're having a boom where we are. That's amazing, except for one thing. Some of the trades and suppliers I rely on all the time are so busy, they are not being as responsive. Recently, I found myself needing a custom sectional for a client and needing it fast. Here's where Build Lane comes in. It's a simple to use, and I swear, I mean so simple, website and app that allows you, the awesome design professional that you are, to order your custom case goods and upholstery efficiently and reliably online. I signed up. It took me a nanosecond to do it, and I mean a nanosecond, and I placed my first quote request 
within minutes. Right away, I got an email back from the Build Lane team who said they received my quote request, they were working on it, and they would be back to me within 72 hours. Wowza. This seemed a little bit too good to be true, so we reached out to the Business of Design community and said, hey, do any of you have real-life experience working with BuildLane? And we got a resounding yes back from our community. In fact, one of our members, Cami Reese of New York City, says she's been working with them for years, and she can't recommend them enough. So I reached out to her. I've been working with Build Lane for over seven years, since before they were Build Lane. I found Frank on the internet somehow through a search, and he makes things for me that are specific to my detailed design. He always delivers on time the product that I anticipate, and when there are glitches in the process, he makes them right. He's responsive. I get to deal directly with him. I send him finished samples. He sends me back his own finishes to make sure that everything's in line and in order before he gets started. He pays close attention to detail and he delivers what I expect, what my clients expect. He's come to be my single provider for upholstery and case goods. That's a pretty good testimonial, I must say. They pay attention to design details, they pay attention to timelines and budget, and they pay attention to me, the designer. And by the way, it's custom, which means you can actually sell it to your clients for a reasonable price and make a living. Visit buildlane.com and sign up today. Let us know what you think. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. with Weston and Christy Blankenship. Weston, we met at High Point and had a moment, a big like hug fest, uh, because uh, you kind of told my story. And uh, thank you both for taking time to be on the show and tell everybody else what's happening with you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I'm just going to let you guys take it away. You don't even need me here. Weston had such a compelling tale to tell. And uh, tell us where you found yourself after starting a career in design. Oh, my word. Well, you know, I think that for both of us, for our whole lives, we've always been creatives and creatives so often we believe that we have to choose. We are either going to be creative or we can be smart in business sense. And we're kind of put in this hole where we have to choose one or the other. Mm -hmm. And so I had been working in the creative world for years 
and not finding my niche, just kind of flailing around thinking I could not be a boss. There's no way, like there's no way I have enough sense. There's no way I have the management skills. I just like to create. And so were you running a design firm then when you, when you say you were in a creative field, were you running a design firm? Well, I was doing a lot of freelance event planning. Uh, That is where this whole thing started was I was doing a lot of wedding planning and corporate event planning. And it's funny because even though I got to do some awesome things, Christy and I were still just not in that mentality that we could own our own business. And so even though I was doing things and doing really fun projects, I was still on the side looking for full-time jobs, you know, like surely there's someone that needs to hire me to do this job. Surely a company needs a creative director. That's what I am, a creative director. So wait, and so you and Christy, so you and Christy worked together in event planning or did you meet Christy because you were planning her wedding and then she left <laughs> a guy at the altar for you? How did that happen? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. I'll take this one. No, I was Christy when we got married was a hospice social worker. So it was really kind of the interesting dynamic in our home as newlyweds was I was off at champagne tastings and Christy was, you know, counseling the families of those that are passing away. Wow. So it was a little different yeah. <laughs> world. Yes. So, uh, I started doing it as freelance, just started planning these events. And, and then it got to the point where, you know, I'd meet someone that say, wow, this, this is so pretty. Can you come decorate my house for Christmas? And I would say, okay, I, I can do that. And so I would go decorate their house for Christmas. And it got, I would do that a couple times. And then someone would say, hey, would you just come over and decorate my house? Uh, sure, I guess I can come do that. And, but the whole time, all I saw myself was a creative head in the sky, living in a bucket of glitter, you know, never saw myself as a businessman. And so Christy and I, I mean, Christy was my rock, my support system through all this. And I just wasn't there, Kimberly. I did not see myself as a business owner. So what happened was I kept aligning myself with people or companies that would say like, oh, well, why don't you come on board and, and do all the creative work? We'll, we'll take care of the books. We'll take care of the marketing. We'll take care of all the behind the scenes that you just don't want to mess with or, you know, right. that you can't do. Well, after that happening over and over again um, and, and really nothing happening, even though I had so many prospects and great contacts, it, it just wasn't happening because I was not there yet. Mentally, I was running away. And well, you were getting experience doing the creative decorating side of the business. So you were a workforce to a company that did the paperwork and was the profit center. 
Absolutely. Precisely. Precisely. (laughs) So Christy's counseling these families during this very difficult moment in their lives and then coming home to Weston, who's (laughs) frankly needing his own kind of counseling, right, Christy? I mean, was that... (laughs) Was that just like a really tough period of time for you? I think it it definitely was tricky. And I think we both, that's the interesting thing. I think we both sort of had this pull and this calling that we wanted to be entrepreneurs. We wanted to do it. And then we were just struggling to figure out how do we make this work? And it just seems so enticing to have these people dangling these other things going on in other companies saying, just come here, we'll, we'll get you set up, we'll take care of everything. Um, and we just kept giving our power away every time that we would sign up for a new trip. So 2013 really was our year where we sort of hit rock bottom and we had to start completely over. We had two babies and then we had to figure out which way we were going to go. Yeah, and when, when Christy says rock bottom... Uh, that means I had just severed a relationship with um, a business partner that went south and um, they moved away and uh, that ended. And so our rock bottom was Christy had left work because she was a mom and I was the breadwinner. And we, I think, got to a point where literally everything was gone. It was gone. We had lost everything. It was, it was gone. <laughs> so well, wait. I'm confused. Okay, so Chris, Christy has, Christy had a job, and you had a job. But then you had, how did you lose? What do you? And what do you mean by everything? What does rock rock bottom look like? What do you mean? Well, I was a social worker up until our oldest was born, mm-hmm. and then I stepped back from that to do the stay at home mom stuff. So, but meanwhile, we're still doing the creative business and trying to work all of this through. In 2013, pretty much everything that could go wrong went wrong. And we actually ended up, we were homeless with our two kids and we had some wonderful friends who were so kind to let us live in their bonus rooms. It took us about four months to pull ourselves out of it. We got crappy jobs to make ends meet and to get ourselves back on our feet and just started slowly building back again. And then we found the business of design and that was kind of a life-changing thing for us. Yeah. You were homeless. You were homeless. Literally. In the literal sense, like. So did you have a business partner who you went in 50 50 with or something, Weston, and it went south, meaning the money went down a yes. hole in the, a drain, some sort of drain. <laughs> it pretty much was a alliance of business agreement with a production company that was going to farm out the jobs, get all the creative, get all the jobs that I could possibly handle, and handle all the creative with these accounts. And you know, I'm a hopeful person. I'm very optimistic. And so months and months would go by where I would be like, you know, what's going on? What's bringing, what's coming in? And it was just crickets, nothing. And so that they ended up kind of going under themselves pretty much. But what that did was launch us into the most 
horrifying, scary time, but the most incredible healing and growth time of our lives. Because when you do reach that point where you're on the bottom, not to be cliche, but you can only look up. And Christy and I got to the point where we're having a really heartfelt conversation about what do we do? And Kimberly, we could not shake the idea that we were supposed to try again. We were supposed to try again, but this time we were not going to give the power away to anybody. And we got part-time junkie jobs, you know, trying to just make enough just to make enough to survive. And what that did was teach us, we can do this. We have ownership of what we're doing. And it was one evening, we were sitting in our room discussing how we're going to tackle this. And we discovered a, a little ditty called Business of Design. And we started listening daily, and I mean daily. And with divine intervention, we decided our company name was going to be E35. And Kimberly, the moment you, you put it out there and you write it down, it becomes a reality. And we chased it like nobody's business because now we owned it. No one was going to tell us, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. Don't do this. We are doing it spirit-led and intuition-led. And here we are today, a couple of years later, and we truly kind of pinch ourselves because we're so happy. Okay, this is just... So first of all, it's an extraordinary story because a lot of us feel like we hit rock bottom at some point, but most of us weren't homeless when that happened. And (laughs) you add to it the fact that you had two little babies and what are their names? Asher and Luke. Oh my God. We've had two more since then. So (laughs) we have a house full of boys. Whoa. Asher, Luke, and? Silas and Ackland. Silas and Ackland. Cool names, cool parents, cool names. There you go. So you've got, you had these two little boys at this time. You're homeless. You're really at wit's end. And somehow you had inspiration. You say spirit led. So you knew you were supposed to hang in there. It's a bit like being thrown into the river and swim or die. Oh, um, absolutely. And then you 100%. go back in. <laughs> Really? Do you know you just almost drowned and you're going to go back in? Like, I, wow, I'm just, this is just extraordinary. If you could see the looks on our parents' faces (laughs) and just, you know, you're doing, I'm sorry, did you say you're trying this again? (laughs) But this time it was different and we knew it and we knew we were okay with people not understanding. We were okay with that. Okay, I love it. So clear something up for me. What does E35 mean? So E35 is scripture, and it stands for Exodus 3535. And it says, The Lord has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work, as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue and scarlet yarn and fine linens, and weavers, and we call them, I call them designers. Oh my gosh, I never heard that before. Well, that's the funny thing. Um, You know, I don't mean to be some, you know, Bible thumper, but I've never heard of it either. (laughs) So 
Um, All my years in Sunday school, and I don't remember that ever coming up. That's very cool. <laughs> I know. It kind of made me want to, like, you know, flash it in front of our parents and say, look, look, like, God says to do it. <laughs> so This is very um, cool. Okay, yeah. so you decided to do it. What was different from day one? Um, I would say two things. One is fear will have no place in our company. And that was a major deciding factor for us that we were no longer going to make decisions based on fear, period. Give me an example. Um, A fear-based decision would be, you know, talking to someone that I'm decorating their house for Christmas and they ask me to do something that is not in my job description and I should not be doing, but I'm so afraid that they're not going to hire me again, or they're going to not like me anymore, God forbid. Or, you know, what if they tell their friends and, oh, I'm so afraid. And so I end up committing myself to doing these things that I should not be doing. You know, back in the day when I lived in fear, I agreed to dog sit for a client out of fear, you know, and we cannot function like that. And it diminishes our value and what we bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. That's really well said, you guys. Okay, so so fear is going to take a back seat and I love the acronym false evidence appearing real for fear. Okay. That's what I, I remind myself. That's what fear is. Okay, so fear is going to have to go in the back seat. So that you knew from day 1. What other decisions did you make? And and by the way, you're still homeless at this point, right? You're making you're making these decisions, living in someone's we, bonus room, and you're homeless, and you have two children. At when this was happening, I had taken on a job delivering food at night, and um, you know, for a delivery company. So these conversations were happening, you know, one o'clock in the morning. In our little apartment. In our little bitty apartment, you know. We were just like really getting, trying to get back on our feet again and get in a space that we could start building again, building our lives over. Um, I think, I think the other thing was you have to become what you want to project. And if you want to project that you're a boss and you're a business owner, you need to become a business owner and a boss and think like one and make decisions like one. Give me an example of decisions that you have made that make you feel like a boss. Oh, my goodness. I think having really honest discussions with clients and telling them what might come across and they might receive as bad news and not basing, not deciding their reaction for them. For example, we will not have your sofa in 10 days. We do not we do not turn sofas around that quickly. This is a custom designed sofa. We are going to need 6 to 8 weeks to receive it. And unashamed, I'm not hand making this sofa. These are just the rules of the I mean, you know how it works. These are these are the distributors, but I have to deliver that news to them mm-hmm. and not apologize. Right. So acting like a boss in a way is being able to say the hard things. Yes, yes, without fear of them not liking me anymore. Right. Or I, for me, certainly sometimes there's a bit of fear, but you know, you face the fear and you do it anyway because you know it's the right thing to do. Yes. And I think uh, 
I actually was listening to a podcast that you were doing and the guest made an incredible comment and was saying, we don't ask our electricians or plumbers or the water company to do the things that people ask designers or landscapers to do. Um, you would not call your electrician, you know, the power company at two o'clock in the morning, freaking out because your pipe doesn't look right. Um, and I think it is that mentality that we've had to uh, adopt, adapt to that we are a business owners. We're a small business. We have hours of operation just like anyone else. Just having really good boundaries at the end of the day. Well, yeah. And I guess you guys uh, see what the stakes are if you don't have those boundaries. I mean, where things end <laughs> if you don't have those boundaries, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yes. And I'm going to object to your use of small firm. I'm just going to point that out there because I <laughs> see this a lot, almost exclusively, probably 90% of design firms are sole proprietors, single sole proprietors. Maybe there's a junior assistant they use sometimes. And often they'll say, I just have this small decorating company or I have this small mm. interior, interior design firm. And the fact of the matter is, you are part of a multi-billion dollar industry. You're a big cog in that wheel. And there's nothing small about that. There's nothing small about your intentions. There's nothing small about your need. You have these four beautiful boys who need you to be successful. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you guys could think about never using the term small again and perhaps saying exclusive or boutique or custom, whatever you want to say, but never small. Amen to that. That's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So so from day one, you kind of created these ground rules for yourself. And, and it's kind of theory at that point, right? But now you've right. been in it a while. How did it happen? What happened for you? How did you grow yourselves? I think once we gave our company a name, because for so long we had not worked with the name because we were working for other people and, um, you know, giving all of our power away to them. And once we, we chose a name and we move forward, we got our business license. Like now we're like, okay, we can do this. And then we started digging into business of design, every business book you could think of podcast, everything so that we could start learning what it means to be a business owner and to just break free of that poor man's mentality and to stop just thinking that we just have to survive. We have to survive this month. No, we're going to thrive. And that was our goal, is how do we thrive with, with our kiddos and to make this a sustainable life for us. You guys have mentioned a couple times about giving your power away, and that's something I've been thinking a lot about. There are a lot of companies that want designers to come and work for them, and those mm. companies will take care of the paperwork, they'll take care of the ordering, and they'll take care of the money, <laughs> and you're oh, going to have no exactly. money. So exactly. to me, like the paperwork is the power, and the paperwork is where the money is at. Have you guys found that for yourselves as well? Oh, Oh my word. Absolutely. And it's funny because we were just talking the other day about, you know, I touched on, you have to, we are creatives are often indoctrinated with thinking you have to choose. You have to either be creative or you can be left brained. And, but creating in and of itself is a very logical 
problem-solving um, craft to be able to look at a room and know the dimensions, know what will work, what will not work, problem-solve. And there is an absolute satisfaction at the end of the day after I go see clients or Christy has been out sourcing out furniture, there's an amazing feeling of accomplishment to go back, open the client's files, update the numbers, update the order forms and do the business of it. Because I believe it's you that said that it's 80% business and 20% creative. And, um, it's yeah, so true. Absolutely. I had it backwards. I thought it was 80% creative and 20% business. And I didn't want to do the 20%. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and exactly. I was 100% broke and dejected. <laughs> yes. It's so true. But that's the thing when we started digging into it and when we wouldn't take no for an answer that we were going to make it work, we realized, okay, the contracts, the paperwork, it's really not that complicated. We were making it so much harder than it needed to be and much scarier than it actually was. But once we just made ourselves start, now I you know, wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, it's so true. Okay, so tell us all the great things you're doing now. What does it look like today? Well, that is the beauty of the way we have structured E35 is our day is very diverse. Um, E35 is set up to be a boutique design firm that handles occasions, holidays, and interiors. So our day can be anything from planning a client's corporate event, uh, you know, for various uh, clients we have that are business owners. Then um, right now we are really taken over by the interior projects we have going on right now. We have a couple renovations. Um, we have a couple whole houses that we signed the entire house. And we have a couple one-room um, projects going on and it's incredible to us and again we pinch ourselves and kind of giggle because every single one of our clients we have seven active projects right now and every single one is either a a business owner we don't we have no client that works for someone else which is really neat and b they are all repeat clients or referrals Wow. That is crazy given the short amount of time you've been doing it. That's amazing. Congratulations. It's, it's really been fun. Well, thank you. It Well, no, literally thank you because you are a massive part of our story. Yes. And um, it feels so good to walk into a client's house and go over the 15 steps and <laughs> And watch their face go into, wow, I like you, but oh my goodness, this is so refreshing. We're so organized. So it's been really fun. And then we'll shut down interiors right around Halloween and Christmas decor will take over our lives. That's <laughs> I've never thought of actually being able to have all of those things be kind of equally important, but why not? Of course, why not? We live in historic Franklin in Tennessee. Right outside of Nashville. So the holiday decorating thing is a really big thing there. Uh, for sure. Uh, we have a couple houses that are in the 20,000 square feet range, and we do all custom. So it's custom bows, custom arrangements, everything. And it's probably 
the highlight of our year because it's kind of like day dates for Christy and I. We get to go and be in someone's home and we listen to podcasts and just go to town with the glitter and ribbons. (laughs) That's amazing. I have a really close friend in Dallas and I'm struck when I go there around the holiday time how big the holidays are. Like they just... They just do them up so huge in a way that I don't think we <laughs> yes. do in Toronto or even in LA. And it's fabulous. It's so fun. Oh, it yes. is so fun. It's so fun. And I mean, I'm from Texas. So I grew up, you know, thinking that everything is bigger in Texas. But then I came to Tennessee and saw a Southern Christmas. And oh, my word, it's a whole different animal. <laughs> love it. So would you say that, um, you're, have have you done the analytics yet? Do you know whether or not the interior design side brings in more money than the holiday decorating side, or is it equal? Interiors has taken over Mm -hmm. and, you know, Christmas for us used to be almost a year's worth of income almost in that two month period. And, um, Interiors has taken over to the pa- to the point that we might have to look into hiring, you know, new staff for only Christmas because our interior is so busy. That's amazing. That's my experience too. That when I'm doing the renovation and the decorating projects, there is nothing that compare income wise to that stream. And particularly when I'm working with repeat and referral clients who are just a joy and a pleasure to work with, it's kind of amazing. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so fun for us to get to do it together and, you know, run things by each other and walk through the projects as a couple. It's really fun for us. And um, as far as the income stream, I think that that's one major difference is that I did, you know, go with an hourly rate that I thought I would never go with uh, out of fear But not only do we know our worth, but it also makes us rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to ask for more money, you have to give more value. So true. What hourly rate do you charge? Everybody in Tennessee is going, really? They're going to say it? (laughs) From here going forward, after High Point, the E35 design interior rate is $175 an hour. And E35 for holiday decor is $225 an hour. Oh, it's a bit more. Is it because it's just so specialized and it happens so quickly? Yes, it is. And it's also, you know, I think people, that's why I have a hard time finding interns because they think that we just sit around and tie bows, but it is a lot of manual labor. It is a very high specialized thing. And, um, I kind of, it's one of those things where we know what we're worth, you know, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. Thank you. I I feel like I always learn things on the podcast. We actually charge a bit less to do holiday decorating. Um, and I need to give that some thought. Maybe it, maybe it is a premium because of the intensive hands-on kind of work. We've been very fortunate and had a lot of fun working with clients in the music industry. And it is a very high stress Christmas when, you know, they will call from the tour bus and say, you know, we're going to be home in nine hours. Um, Please have the house finished for Christmas. And it's a very high pressure. So I find myself 
having to hire last minute people to help come in and make sure that whatever it might be is finished in time for the family. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. So let me see. Casey Musgraves, um, <laughs> Carrie Underwood, um, <laughs> Keith Urban. I'm trying to think of all the country stars. I maybe you're doing well, their one homes. Of, one of those <laughs> one of those names you got correct, and I will say they are all incredible, wonderful, kind people. No way. I'm so excited. I'm assuming you can't say because you probably had to sign something, but that's (laughs) super cool. I love that. Um, Celebrities can be really fun to work with. They can be a nightmare to work with. So I hope they were a, a delight. Everyone, absolutely, everyone we've worked with in the music industry has been absolutely wonderful. We have one that is a a huge success in the country world and his wife brought us over some spinach artichoke dip while we were doing their house for Christmas, you know, just wanted to be Southern and hospitable. Oh my gosh. That's so cute. I'm going to totally Google celebrity country, celebrity <laughs> spinach and artichoke dip <laughs> recipes because they probably are in a good house or how good housekeeping at some point yes. with their mama's spinach and artichoke, artichoke dip uh, <laughs> recipe. So we'll be speculating about that. You know, we end every episode with design intervention. What would you say is something that you just have to impart to everyone listening? Well, obviously, through the journey we've been on, we've, we've had quite a few uh, moments of learning. Some good life lessons. <laughs> good life lessons. Um, I think for us, there's a couple things. The, ones that, the, the two that stand out in my mind are you are not a victim to your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the power to change your situation. And it might take some really uncomfortable decisions. It might take some really scary moments, but you have the power to change it. And there is such an amazing sense of satisfaction when you do what is the next important thing for us, which is just take one step forward. If you are lost and confused and don't know where to go, take the next best step. So for us, that was a simple thing as just giving our company a name. And it's amazing that once we did give it a name and we just started moving forward, the business just started coming. We weren't doing crazy, you know, marketing or anything. It's just when we started to open that door, we were just flooded with amazing people to work with. That is such good advice because so often I'll look at a goal and it's enormous. It's too big. I I just, I'll never get there, you know? Mm. And I have learned that just taking any action, no matter how small, pushes the whole thing forward in a surprising way. Absolutely. Wow. So good, you guys. I'm excited about what the future holds for you. And I'm going to come and hang out with you. Do you have a physical retail space? We don't have retail. We have an office, but okay. we we'll have not bar. committed to retail. Let's meet yeah. at a bar. Or better yet, let's meet at your famous country western singer's house. Like, that sounds yeah, good. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just call them right up. <laughs> oh, I'm really excited about what the future holds for you guys. And thank you so much for sharing and paying it forward. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in September. Oh, thank you so much. Such an honor to talk to you. Oh, yay. 
Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today 